You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I'm, so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy days, jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we gotta make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You can tell the mother guys are going plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's Rain and Jay Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics Podcast Here on the Lockdown Podcast Network Thank you, as always, for making us part of your daily routine We're here for you Monday through Friday This is the Thursday program we are the Rain and Jays, the two Jays here today. Me, John Corrales, and Sam Jam, and air quotes Packard, Samuel Jamison Packard III, joining us from lovely Las Vegas, Nevada. Hello. I was, <laughs> I was trying to do my old voice thing. It didn't work out. <laughs> I, I gave up a bit, three seconds into it. But hello. I'm here from beautiful downtown Las Vegas. Downtown it, Vegas. Oh, just a wonderful it's a place. place. It's There's a, place. a lot of lights. There's a lot of lights. Uh, it's funny for up until like recently, that old Vegas is what everybody just kind of thought Vegas was like. They, it's great for like the scenery. It's got like all the, the old school lights and, and shit, but that's that place is nowhere near the strip. It's, it's like a museum, but I, I like it there, but they have a place here where if you weigh over 350 pounds, you get to eat for free. Yes. Which, I know that what? place. The burger. What that's, what's that burger it's joint? It's like called? a heart attack grill or something. Yes. Yes. And they have like burgers called a bypass special or something like that. It's it's really, really just celebrating obesity. Yeah. It's it's everything we should hate about America celebrated. It's it's really hilarious. Las yeah. Vegas. You just came up with a great slogan. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the type of place that makes you wonder, uh, I wonder how many people have died here. Many, many. I'm probably. in fact studying crime and statistics in Las Vegas, so I could probably tell you exact numbers <laughs> uh, dating back the past ten years. But uh, it, it's you know, I just remembered tonight. The actually happening in Las Vegas is uh, the Los Angeles Lakers are playing their final preseason game against the Warriors, and I was like, "Oh man, that's some that's some luck. Maybe I'll go down and join, like watch the game." $150 is what the tickets are at right now for a preseason game. Are it's you kidding me? That's oh. just stupid. Like, I understand it's LeBron versus the Warriors. It's the first chance to see that. It's Las Vegas. So maybe it's a little special. It's in the, the T-Mobile arena where the Golden Knights play. But, like, that's insane. Like, you're going to really do that to watch, what, Josh Hart take <laughs> 25 shots? Like, that's – I don't know. It makes no sense to me. That... Why, but – that's it, Las Vegas for you. That feels like a classic Las Vegas. Just take your money. Like that's what Las Vegas is built for—to take all your money. So, yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh, all right. Well, that's nice. I hope you're enjoying Vegas. I know you're there for work, but you get to enjoy the old the Binion down. Oh, there. I'm right next to the Binion. The Binion. I love Binion, and they're like two dollar craps tables. It's just great. 
I think I found a dollar blackjack the other night. Uh, I found, I mean, walked past and considered playing, but uh, I think do- I might have to go back there after, after I'm done with here podcast. Dollar blackjack is perfect for when you're there for too long. Like, if you're spending <laughs> a week in Vegas, like, that's too long. And dollar blackjack is a great place to scratch the itch. And like, oh, I'm going to double down two bucks. And, like, at the end, you lose, like, 50 bucks, but you, you've played the entire night. And you don't come out of it feeling like you you now have to, like, sell yourself to make up the money for the, what you've lost. So, so if anyone has the ability to hear this podcast live, which no one does, they'll find me later tonight at Binion's. At <laughs> Binion's, yes. Well, you yeah, know, I'll post this quickly enough where anybody in Las Vegas can go find Jam Packard at Binion's at the dollar blackjack table. So... Beyond that, let's knock this podcast out so people can uh, go track you down. Uh, we'll talk about the league. We'll, you know, we haven't talked about the league in general. Uh, Gordon Hayward's back is bugging him. We'll talk about that. Uh, but we will begin where the entire NBA Twitter sphere has begun today. Jimmy Butler in what has to be one of the most orchestrated kind of show-up moves that a player has ever – a power move – he shows up to practice today in Minnesota. He shows up in Minnesota, if you haven't heard, and shows up to practice an hour late, checks himself into a scrimmage with a bunch of third-string guys, destroys the starters, and talks insane amounts of crap to the GM who's there, to the coach who's there, to the other star players who are there, and who he is waxing the floor with, and then... Somehow, magically, ESPN is there to catch him off the floor afterwards for for an interview. So, you've seen this whole thing play out. Let's get the initial reaction out of you for, from this. I'm impressed. Like it is, <laughs> it's fantastic stuff. The, the amount of coordination that go, goes into it to have Rachel Nichols like to be there ready for the interview. Um, I think the most impressive thing is that he he teamed up with a bunch of the third string guys, so guys who are borderline NBA players, and took it to the first team, which has Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns, some legitimate players, and one um, is insane. Uh, people are trying to act like this wasn't orchestrated, but it feels pretty much uh, like directly what it was. Like, it absolutely was. There's recent reports that came out about. The Timberwolves basically agreeing to deal uh, to trade him to the Heat, and then uh, like backing out at the last minute, asking for a little bit more. Clearly, he's pissed off that he hasn't been traded yet. Um, he's feeding Woj uh, like little nuggets of information each of the time, and Woj is just Woj had some fantastic tweets about it. He was very poetic. Uh, I think it was like there's someone about this how Jimmy owns Minnesota or something like. He ended some tweet with just like. In a, in a non-newsy way, in a way that I thought, like, Woj was paid extra by Jimmy Butler to kind of to write the novel about what was going on. But just a fantastic flex um, from Jimmy Butler. I don't – like, if you're Minnesota and you're like, did they know he was coming to practice? Was he invited to practice? Like, when he first showed up, or they, did they give him clothes to change into? Did they let him in the gym? There's so many, like, little details that just are mind-boggling right now, and it's, it's fantastic. It, this is – the NBA just keeps on giving. Like I've I've been dying for games, and um, but they just keep on churning out nonsense storylines, and I'm for it. I love the thought of like Jim Ross sitting there on the Minnesota Timberwolves practice court, 
and all of a sudden you hear, oh, my God, that that's Jimmy Butler's music. And Butler walks into, like, pyrotechnics and checks himself into the game. What's going on here? Like, that scenario would be amazing that no one knew what's happening and he just rushes in wwe style and lays waste to the starters uh they had to know that he was there they had to know that he was coming uh i i love the description of just like it that's what it was a flex he showed up he said look at me look what i can do now trade me and it it made Everybody looked bad, including a little bit Jimmy Butler here, that he just walked in with this entire production. I'm very impressed that he pulled it off. There's a very large cool factor to it that he pulled this whole thing off that it's not just that he showed up. It's not just that he uh, had this thing planned. It's that he actually pulled third string guys at the end of the bench and beat the starters. Like that makes this entire thing cool that he did this. But also he's a bit of an asshole. And, and Oh yeah. Yeah. And and the one thing that I saw quoted, I wish I could remember who it was on Twitter. Um somebody retweeted it. But basically said Jimmy Butler is the first per is the first no wait. Jimmy Butler is the hardest working person in the NBA. He's also the hardest working person at telling you he's the hardest working person in the NBA. So there's that element to that. So the reason we're talking about all this, beside the insanity that's going down in Minnesota, which, by the way, shout out to Minnesota for going down in a spectacular blaze of glory. If you're going to go down, if the franchise is going to implode, make it the best theater possible. Good for them. But they don't even they're not even trying to make it theater. This is out of side side of their control. Yeah, but and it's like to the, like before we get to the I guess the Celtics angle, he he apparently said to the GM Scott Layden, You fucking need me, you can't win without me. Yeah. Oh yeah. Berating and, the front office and the coach and Tibbs and the players, all of them. Do you like do you become super stubborn and then not trade him and then just have like a tumultuous year or do you just trade him immediately? Like if no matter what, you end up looking terrible. It's a, it's an excellent power play by Butler. Um, but the question remains, is he uh, kind of a, a dickhead? Like, oh, yeah. He pushed, the, pushed his way out of um, Chicago. He, like, doesn't – there's stories coming out of there that he didn't really get along with any of the, the kind of the other stars now, the people he had to deal with were Dwayne Wade and Rajon Rondo, all um, noted jerks. Uh, so I don't know if we blame <laughs> Jimmy Butler there, but – um, he doesn't have the best reputation, and this maybe he felt like he had nothing else he could do, and it's it's an all time power move, but it's like uh, it's a it's a clear dick move, and so I don't know if like what Jimmy Butler is he good enough to be able to pull this off? I think he's a damn good uh, basketball player. I would say he's a top twenty, maybe top fifteen player in the NBA, but. Um, is he worth this headache? Like, if does the, does whatever team do the Heat does this make the Heat or Pat Riley go? Oh man, this guy! Like the Heat's culture is all like everyone talks about the Heat's culture. You show up, your body fat has to be less than two percent. They work harder than everyone. There's the Heat culture. The Heat culture. Does Jimmy Butler fit into that? Because he seems to be kind of uh, going his own way. I mean, he loves country music. He's friends with <laughs> Mark Wahlberg. It's it's just uh, I don't know. It, it makes me question Jimmy Butler if I want him to be the guy on my team. I feel like Pat Riley 
loves the old school kind of like ornery type of player. Like that's the type of guy that he wants on his team. Uh, look, this is totally a dick move. It's totally a dick move. And it is on one hand, it's like, well, when you're, when you're pulling a dick move, it's like, well, you're kind of a dick, but at the same time, it's sometimes you gotta be a dick. Like that's life. Like that, sometimes you just have to, like, you can't be polite about everything at every turn. And look, I, I experience it in, in the news business all the time. Sometimes to get where you need to go, you need to tell somebody to shut the fuck up. Sometimes you need to, like, stand up and be like, all right, I'm done with all you people. We're doing this my way because no one can make a decision and we've got to, we've got to move forward. And that's what happened in Minnesota. Like it's, it's a week before it. the season. He's it's, it's he's given his trade demand for what oh, seems like a month now. He needs at some point if they're going to make a trade, they need to do it before the actual season starts. It was the kind of the put up or shut up moment. So all the things I said about Jimmy Butler being a dick, like you you understand his his desire to make something happen. Uh, and I think you got to respect the, the conniving. Uh, way and he did it and he actually like like I said earlier I think he brilliantly forced the hand of um, of the Timberwolves front office because there's really you can't bring him back and start the season with no. him just tearing into Wiggins and Towns and Thibodeau like that's just not healthy you kind of just have to trade him and so I think the way he coordinated that and then had the media like very influential media members on his side right there ready to tell his story. Maybe that makes me more of a fan of Jimmy Butler. Like he, he clearly thought this out perfectly. Like he's yep. a mastermind. It's, Man, it's, I just did a complete 180 there. But it, that's what, that's my podcast. Uh, <laughs> like, oh, for every time. But that's that that's the dichotomy here of the situation because there there are equally legitimate reactions on both sides to say, well, this he was acting like a jerk and and to go out there and do what he did. There's there's definitely a dick move element but at the same time you have to do it like i said so there is a respect for like look sometimes you got to get in there get your hands dirty and and push things forward yourself you know so i i definitely respect that so now the question now is from a celtics perspective we talked a lot about jimmy butler in minnesota from a celtics perspective does this make you feel good about having not traded for Jimmy Butler now multiple times. They had an opportunity to trade for Jimmy Butler when uh, the pick that was Jalen Brown, and then they apparently had an opportunity to trade for Jimmy Butler after that. Are you happy like to watch this from afar or do you wish the Celtics had this kind of guy on the, on the team? No, I'm, I'm perfectly happy and content with, the Celtics roster right now. And I don't remember the exact trade um, that wasn't the Jalen Brown trade. I, I very remember, very strongly remember draft night where Jalen Brown's going to be traded. And everyone thought that um, they're going to trade the, the, that third pick for Chris Dunn, who is eventually going to be traded to, be, to, to the Bulls for Jimmy Butler. And people booed the Jalen Brown uh, pick. And at that point, I think I was more in favor of trading for Jimmy Butler just because I think he's acquiring stars. But Jalen Brown has proven to be uh, a fantastic player um, and one who can only get better. 
And I, I think at this point, you probably just considering the, the contracts, um, obviously right now, Jimmy Butler's a better player than Jalen Brown, but I think given the contracts in the future, Jimmy Butler's closer to 30 and Jalen Brown's what, 22? Um, yeah. I think you'd rather, much rather have J- Jalen Brown on your roster moving forward. So looking back, like, I think that deal was, uh, dealt with correctly and, and the Celtics in holding off on the Jimmy Butler trade, um, they've been able to get stars in here that I think are on Jimmy Butler's um, level. I mean, there, I think there's a, it would be a, it's a good debate to dis, to say who's better right now, um, Jimmy Butler or Gordon Hayward. But I think they're they're kind of comparable and in the same tier. And so the Celtics were able to get a player of that level, but then also add uh, keep basically all of their picks and add Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. So. I think Jimmy Butler is a cool dude. I mean, I think it'd be fun to watch him play. Uh, I would, it would be fine to have him on the Celtics, but there's no way I'm looking back with it and thinking, oh man, they, if only they got Jimmy Butler, um, because I, I think they're pretty well, uh, situated right now. Yeah. Uh, considering how things turned out, it's funny. And, and part of the reason why I wanted to bring it up and frame it like this is that back when it was, potentially happening people at the time were saying of course you make this deal of course you make this deal and we don't know how things would have turned out if they did make this deal jimmy butler is a fantastic player is he a good enough number one option to lead a team to a championship that's up for debate and and the one thing that's come out of these trade demands in minnesota is that people do question whether he's good enough to be your number one guy because he's been the number one guy in places and it hasn't worked. Jimmy Butler was in a great situation here in Minnesota where he got the coach that he likes and two stud players or supposed to be stud players that he could have taken under his wing somehow and found a way to draw out of them in uh, Andrew Wiggins and uh, Carl Anthony Towns another level of of play from them. Instead, we have now a situation where he has attacked them in practice and gone on ESPN and basically said, my number one focus is winning, their number one focus is not, and that's a problem, so I'm out of here. I mean, can we, in just watching basketball games, I feel like we kind of already knew this about Andrew Wiggins. Like, Andrew Wiggins was... Not someone who, how do I put it, uh, tries, especially <laughs> on the defensive end. Like just watching any, any time you watch a Timberwolves game, you, you, he was just, um, lackluster and just left you wanting more. And immediately when he signed that big deal, uh, the huge kind of max extension, it, you just knew it was a mistake. Um, and so that doesn't surprise me as much. The really the thing that surprised me is Carl Anthony Towns. Like this guy has all the talent um, in the world, the physical frame, like all the gifts to be a top dominant two way big man. And um, if this kind of situation changes the way we think about Jimmy Butler, does it change the way you think about Carl Anthony Towns? Like he's never been the dominant force on defense that I think he should be, just given his size and athleticism. Does this make you question his effort and like what he, his kind of like mental and physical makeup? I know like back in when he was at Kentucky, 
he used to have an imaginary friend named Carlito that he used to talk to, um, and that he stopped doing that. Uh, and once he got to the NBA, maybe he needs to go back to that level of crazy uh, because, I don't know, it just doesn't seem like he has the intensity. Clearly he doesn't have the intensity to match Jimmy Butler, but this, I think, reflects the the worst on on Carl Anthony Towns. Like, he's supposed to be this up-and-coming star, like the guy you can build around. If the Minnesota Timberwolves are going to be, like, a contender, they would have to do it with Carl Anthony Towns as their best player. And it doesn't seem like he's ready to take that leap yet. I'm still kind of stunned by the Carlito thing. I didn't realize that that was a thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, go back. There's many stories where at Kentucky where he would just be talking to himself, or not to himself, to his imaginary friend Carlito. Uh, it's I immediately once I found that out, I uh, was all in on Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, I'm trying to like Google this as as it's happening, and and there's there's even a Twitter handle for little Carlito. Um, <laughs> I didn't make it up. That'd be crazy if I. Uh, made that it would up. be it'd be crazier than having an imaginary friend named Carlito. Uh, I don't think. I mean, I don't think less of Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, I do a little bit with the Carlito thing, but the actual his work ethic. Oh, that's not, look, he's he's he turns twenty three in a month, so he's still young, and it it doesn't look great that uh, Jimmy Butler came back today and basically eviscerated everybody, and not one of these guys. Apparently, from what we know, there's not one single report of. There was significant blowback by Carl Anthony Towns or Andrew Wiggins or that Andrew Wiggins or Carl Anthony Towns made a move, confronted Butler, poked him in the chest, did something. Now, I, I'm not trying to project like myself in that situation. I, I feel like if that had happened in a, on a court that I was on, if I'm supposed to be the best player and this Dick marches back. I'm speaking from that perspective. Like, oh, oh, really? First of all, there, there's going to be a hard foul somewhere. I'm going to put this guy on his ass. Like, somebody foul the guy. So This is old school basketball. If he's going to come in with that mentality, then somebody do something. Somebody stand up. So, yeah, that, for as far as I know, if, if that didn't happen, then it does look bad for Towns. It does look bad for Wiggins. Those guys... It does make him seem like, you know, not tough enough to handle a bully in that situation. So I don't know that if Butler was on the Celtics, he would have done that. It's a different situation. I mean, I feel like a guy like Butler maybe has a different level of respect for people who care about some of the same things he cares about. And who knows how things would have turned, what players would be here, if if even Kyrie would be here, however it would have went. I feel like this team would have been in a much different place. Obviously, like some of these guys wouldn't be here. I don't think Kyrie would be here. I don't think Hayward would be here. It'd be real interesting to see how the, the make of the team makeup of the team would have would have changed. All I know is that Marcus Smart and Jimmy Butler would have got in some fisticuffs during practice. See, no, they already got they already gotten some like uh, some beef in the playoffs, and Marcus Marcus Smart said he was about that life. And I think that's the problem in Minnesota. If no one stands up to this guy, who's clearly just like being the alpha, that like no one is gonna like challenge him. I think that's part of like Jimmy Butler's problem is that someone should challenge him. Marcus Smart would not let that happen. Uh, 
he they they would get there would be fisticuffs. Oh, totally. If they were if Marcus Smart was at this practice, if this had happened where on a floor where Marcus Smart was, that there would not have been like two minutes into this thing, there would have been some kind of hands would have been thrown. Something would have happened because you're not going to come in and punk me. Like that's that's just my mentality, and that. I, I, I can already feel like the juice is flowing and I'm old way like 20 years past my prime. And I would still be like, well, I got to do something. I can't let this guy walk into our court. He doesn't want to be here. He's here to show us up. Somebody's got to do something. And, and for Minnesota's sake, for Carl Anthony Towns sake, cause he's like the uh, top five talent in the NBA. He's still really damn good. I hope that this is like a wake-up call or something for him to be like, you know what, I let this thing happen, and I shouldn't have. And that's what being young is about. When you're 23, you learn these lessons, and you do toughen up. And that's, if if anything, if you want to spin it in a positive way for Minnesota, maybe Jimmy Butler, maybe this incident is a thing that wakes those guys up and be like, I can't believe we got punked like that, and we just let it happen. And Jimmy Butler's like riding off into the sunset as this cool-ass cowboy that just just – set up this whole thing, executed it all, and, and you know, looks like a, a goddamn hero out there. So, Or it completely tanks the uh, the Timberwolves season. Tibbs has his heart's not in it. Uh, Wiggins and Towns have their confidence shot, and they, they ended up in the lottery. Who knows? Maybe we'll, uh, we'll see as the season starts. We Basketball. Will... Yes. Mason. Next <laughs> week on TNT. That's right. That's right. All right. That was a lot of Jimmy Butler talk. Uh, We are going to move forward after I let you know that Lockdown NBA has its full league preview series coming up. Check that out. Uh, Every team, all podcasts have given uh, like a six or seven or eight minute kind of capsule preview of their team. So go subscribe to Lockdown NBA podcast because right now all 30 teams in five days, it's being done, uh, and we were on the Tuesday show. Go subscribe, check it out, and subscribe to Lockdown NBA. On top of us being here for you five days a week on the Lockdown NBA podcast, on top of me being the Wednesday host, go check out the full week of previews because that's going to get you set up. One week of podcast going to get you set up, a nice little baseline for the season. So go check that out on Lockdown NBA. Quickly, Gordon Hayward is out uh, talking about his back pain. Uh, he's talking about uh, some soreness that he's had, and he says he's had some stuff in the past that it's, you know, you get the treatment and you move on, but this one is lingering, and I think the it's not that I'm worried about the back issue necessarily, uh, Sam. It's more like this is an indication of, just how slow a process it is to get back into NBA basketball after being off for a year. We've seen him in the workout videos. Maybe we expected a lot out of him to kind of come back and kind of slide right in and getting into the NBA flow, getting into NBA game speed, getting hit by NBA players over and over and over again. Even on what seemed like innocuous plays, it's taking its toll on Gordon Hayward. And I think this back issue is not necessarily concerning to me. It's that it's an indication of 
we have to be prepared for the Gordon Hayward comeback to drag out a little bit, and it's going to take time for him to really get back into feeling the way he used to. Yeah, he he described it as just kind of readjusting to playing as often as he had. And I guess it is like you don't think about that. You think like, well, he's gone through all the rehab, and so like playing in actual games shouldn't be that much of an issue for him. But you can see that it's like clearly getting back to – like actual NBA action it takes a toll, a physical toll. And so, um, I mean, there, there's some concern, uh, but the way they're framing it, or at least the Celtics are talking about it, it just seems like it's like natural kind of the wear and tear that happens with, uh, I guess, just get, getting back into, into playing regular NBA games. I'm not as concerned about it. And I think one of the major reasons is the Celtics have insane depth. And so maybe not playing Gordon Hayward on back-to-backs like early in the year, um, not the biggest deal in the world, um, but it's it, like at what point can we say that Gordon Hayward's officially back? Like what? When will we think like say this is the guy that the Celtics paid max money for? Um, because it's clearly it's clearly going to take him longer, and clearly he was still rusty in, in the preseason. At what point? What do we have to see as Celtics fans to be like, all right? Now Gordon Hayward is is it back? Is it him just like throwing down dunks? Is it like a, a twenty five point performance? What do we like? What do we see to see that Gordon Hayward is is the guy that like the star that we all think he's going to be? Well, I mean, I, I think it is just the the crisp, strong movement, uh, the the attacking and and kind of being able to dunk, being able to dunk on somebody. Like if he goes up and dunks on somebody, then that's going to draw a lot of Hayward is back. You know, I think he needs to kind of just, well, first of all, start making shots. That'd be nice. Uh, I think he needs to just start making some of those special plays again, because Gordon Hayward is a special player. Yeah. He made the all-star team in the West, which is hard to do, especially as a forward. And so that shows just how special he can be. It's it's one thing to catch and shoot some threes. It's one thing to take a guy off the dribble and make a nice pass. That's okay. That's great. What we really need to see, I think, is one of those plays that makes you go, oh, okay, I get it. I get that he's different than you know some of the other players that we have on the team or even even some of the stuff that we've seen. we, we got to have that. It's like you'll know it when you see it. You'll, he'll make a play, and he'll dunk on somebody, or he'll go up for an alley-oop or something like that, and you'll say, ah, okay, that's the guy I remember. Like, it, it, that, that's all it's going to take. Yeah, but, and I, but I don't necessarily expect that to be there night one against the 76ers. Like I, 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 it is just from the way it's, it's happened so far, it seems like it's going to be a much longer process. So I'm excited to declare like to, to rise up out of my seat probably while watching at home on Twitter and just go, Gordon is back. I'm excited for that moment, but I don't I don't think it's coming until at least like mid November. Maybe even later. I don't know. But it's 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 not there yet. And so he said he felt his back like felt better um today than it has in the past. And so I don't think it's really something to worry about, but it's just it's another story when in talking about this like long Gordon Hayward recovery process. Yeah, and that's what it is. It's just another kind of indication that it's going to take it's going to take time, and we have to be prepared for it to take time. Um, and now, I guess I guess the follow up question is what um, 
how much do we expect him to play? Like early on, is is Brad Stevens going to kind of slowly work him in? Is he going to just kind of get him into thirty minutes a game, or is he going to is he going to because of these issues? I feel like he should probably play like a bunch in the first quarter and then a bunch in the third quarter. And then he can, I don't know if he needs to go on the bike and warm up or whatever, a little bit in the second, if he come back in and, and, but not push it too hard. And then you can rely on your depth to kind of make up for whatever time he's not playing. And we can work him up to like 30, 35 minutes, whatever it's going to be by like Christmas or all-star break or whatever. Um, I guess I, I expect him to play like early on 25 to like 28 minutes a game because at the same time um, you want to like him to bring up his stamina. You want him to like work back in and get his rhythm back. You still want to win basketball games. And if he's not going to be at the, the like top caliber player, the top level that he is, there are better options. I think at this point, like you, I think I'd rather see more minutes for, for Terry, for Marcus Smart, for uh, even even some MOOC minutes in there, and just in terms of some scoring, like um, so, it's going to be a, a, an interesting balance that that Brad has to strike between trying to get um, Gordon back into a rhythm and then also just trying to win basketball games. So I expect him to start off at like 25 minutes a night, and eventually, as he kind of get back to his full powers, that um, minutes per night uh, is probably going to go up. But to begin with, I just because he hasn't been all the way there. I expect him to play a little bit less than than I think most people would expect. Yeah. Well, we'll have to wait and see on on Hayward. Okay. Uh, we'll we'll continue moving forward. Before that, uh, I want to remind everybody that the uh, Lockdown NFL podcast is is brand new and improved. All your fantasy, a uh, couple of fantasy shows, a uh, couple of you know some. Big time uh, media names from ESPN and uh, former Cuba uh, Sage Rosenfels is in in the mix, and there's also a Locked On Patriots podcast. If you're a Patriots fan or if you're a fan of any other team, subscribe to Locked On NFL, subscribe to Locked On Patriots, or the Locked On NFL podcast of your favorite team. Uh, there is a lot of great stuff out there. They cover it like they cover like we cover the NBA and the Celtics. So go check those out. Search for those podcasts wherever you found this one. Let's turn our attention league-wide. We haven't talked about the leagues. Season starts soon. Uh, in the East, what do you see as the Celtics' biggest challenges? What If you're looking at like a top four or even if you want to go through the top eight, do you, do you have a sense of what you think the East is going to look like? Uh, my initial thoughts are the Raptors are going to be quite good. Because Kawhi Leonard is quite good. Now, that's a hot take. and I know some people might mm. disagree, but uh, I think the Raptors are going to be good. I think um, in reading kind of preseason articles about uh, different teams, I think, the, uh, I think the, the Raptors and the Celtics are in the, are in the top tier. I think the third best team is the Milwaukee Bucks. I've been reading a lot of articles about the pace and space uh, of and Giannis in the – that kind of offense with uh, Coach Budenholzer and kind of them opening up their offense. If you got if Celtics fans think back to the playoffs last year, just how many dumb long twos the Milwaukee Bucks took, and just how many dumb 
decisions they made on offense. Um, the idea of them somehow playing smarter, taking more threes. There's some clips from Giannis preseason games of him just pulling up and draining threes. The idea of the uh, the Greek freak in uh, kind of a more spread out offense, a more uh, offense that's designed to make more threes. I like the addition of um, Brooke Lopez to that team. I think the Bucks are going to be the the third best team in the East. I think they're they're. I have no idea what Markel Fultz is going to do, and I think that kind of will change entirely what the Sixers do. I think the Sixers are a clear fourth, but right now, if I'm scared of two teams in the East, it's going to be the the Raptors and the Bucks. And then definitely not uh, the Washington Wizards because they they never learn. And it's it's nice. I don't know if people saw today. Austin Rivers came out and said that the the Wizards are getting overlooked. And it's just like he did, he had to do that to ingratiate himself with his new teammates because you're not a member of the Washington w- Wizards if you don't consistently underperform but also talk very highly of yourself. Right. The Wizards are the best team in the league at telling people that they're the best team around like they're that's that's i think they have like a director of big talk at the at the wizards front office because they all love to talk big but uh, i agree the wizards i definitely don't put them any higher than fifth i think the top four toronto boston and then philly milwaukee we can debate the philly milwaukee thing i agree with you i think milwaukee's going to be better than a lot of people really think uh, Giannis is a, just a beast you know, they added uh, Ersan Ilyasova, they added uh, Brook Lopez, they added some shooting. So the the fact that they're they're shooting around a guy like him, like, damn, that's that, that could be scary. That could be scary. And they, they don't have the Prunster, Joey Prunce. Yeah. Like, as much as I miss him, um, I'm pretty sure Mike Budenholzer is a better coach than him. Yeah. Uh, but after that, I don't think the Celtics have reason. Like, who do you think, like, the Wizards could be fifth, but I could also see the Wizards doing what the Wizards do and just, like, not playing great basketball uh, for the most of the season. Uh, I could see – I think they're going to be a playoff team just because they have too much talent. Sure. Uh, with their – with Wall, Beal, and Porter. Um, oh, it's hilarious. Uh, and shout-out to um, Network, Jason Concepcion from The Ringer, talking about uh, Dwight Howard's injury, that uh, it's it's so perfect that he literally is sidelined with a pain in the ass. That's hilarious. <laughs> that just, that's, that's just awesome. his entire career. Um, but after the Wizards, I think the Pacers are going to be a solid team. Yeah. Because um, just because they play really hard and that is worth something in the Eastern Conference, I think the Heat are going to be a solid team because they also play hard. But I wouldn't be surprised if they fell behind by like seven games to, to start the season and make a late run. And then after that, the eighth, uh, the eighth seed, I think, is kind of is up for grabs. Um, maybe the Charlotte Hornets. I don't know. Mikhail Bridges looked pretty, or Michael. What, I forget what Bridges or whatever is. The Bridges guy, he was good. Um, I don't <laughs> think he's going to propel them, but Kemba Walker is still like a, a pretty good player. Um, I don't know about the eighth team in the East, but I don't think it, it really matters at this point. Uh, I agree, uh, and it's Miles Bridges. Yeah, Miles Bridges. Yes, uh, I agree. He's got a brother, though, right? Uh, I th- well, I know there's a Michael Bridges that. Um, damn it! Where the hell did he go? Uh, he went Clippers? to uh, uh, no, the Suns. He no, he got traded to the Suns for. Uh, yeah, he's in Phoenix. Uh, that was the draft night the, trade. To Phoenix. Uh, they're definitely related. So yes, so the. Um, I, I like the Hornets as the eighth seed. I think they they have the 
first of all, when you get rid of Dwight Howard, you get better. Uh, Kemba Walker is really, really good. I think Tony Parker is going to be a positive influence. Bridges is going to be good. Uh, I think if Batum can get anywhere near back to normal, and if they can get anything out of uh, Kaminsky, anything out of Kaminsky, uh, and I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, Willie Hernan Gomez is somehow productive. So they, they've got they've got some they've got some some players there that that can that can help. And look, the eighth seed in the East is not going to be very good. So what do you think about the Detroit Pistons? I that's the only other team I can see competing. They have Blake Griffin, who's kind of a, a not what what he once was. Andre Drummond is a talented basketball man, but. Uh, not a, like an amazing player, but other than that, the roster like there's a lot of fall off after uh, those two guys. Yeah, in the I mean, if Reggie Jackson stays healthy, ugh, I've never been a Reggie Jackson. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't, I don't like, I don't like the Pistons. Uh, I, but there, there are a lot of questions. Like the Pistons could actually, if things come together, they could be okay. But yeah, I mean, Drummond is good, Griffin is good, Jackson. Can be good. They, Stanley Johnson's had moments. Yeah, like there's, there is some, there is some reason to kind of say that they could be a playoff team. I think they could be. They could be for sure. But I don't know enough, like, um, to to have uh, what's his name, the coach. God, it just flew out of my head. Stan Van Gundy. No, the uh, eh, the Toronto coach. That just came over. Damn it. Dwayne Casey. Thank you. God, man, my brain just stopped working there for a second. Yeah, Dwayne Casey's there now. Uh, if he can get, you know, these guys to perform, like if he can get them working together and, and playing a, a style that complements the, the, those pieces, then, yeah, I think that that could work out pretty well. But I'm not necessarily sold on all of this coming together i just and i don't think the health holds out so i just don't i don't like i don't like the pistons uh making the playoffs i think it goes boston toronto as one in one a think philly minnesota i mean uh minnesota uh, milwaukee are right there at two three and we can uh, you can argue about that fifth and sixth is going to be between indiana and washington uh, seventh will probably be the Heat, but that always depends on what kind of move they make. Are they going to get Jimmy Butler? What kind of influence is he going to have? That could put him up. That could put the Miami Heat up as high as fifth or sixth. And then eighth would be Charlotte. Uh, I don't think. Well, I don't think the Hawks are going to be very good. The Brooklyn Nets, uh, New York Knicks are interesting, not good, but not good. Uh, Pistons, like we talked about. The, the Magic are definitely in that interesting but not good category. I'm excited right. to see what their crazy length of Mo Bamba, Jonathan Isaac can do, uh, but I just don't think they have shooting or players on the outside. But I think they'll be like, in the past there's been games where the Celtics play the Magic and it's like, oh my god, this is not going to be an interesting basketball game. I, I think I'm actually going to look forward to the Celtics Magic game this year. There's actually have some players that... Uh, Will be interesting, but I don't think there's any chance they make the playoffs. No, I I don't think so either. But look, that that eighth seed, that's going to be the thing that 
everybody's going to be pointing at and saying, like, see, this is why you, you know, throw out conferences because there's going to be some team in the, the eighth seed is going to be like a 30 something win team. And you're going to go out west and like the some team with a 46 win, some 46 win team is going to miss the playoffs and people are going to lose their minds. Even though that eighth seed is going to be playing like, the Warriors or the Rockets or something like that, and it's not going to matter, but whatever. So that's it. That's where we are. You know, before we started this podcast, we're like, what the hell are we going to talk about? And as soon as we started running down things, what did I say? We're going to go 45 minutes, and we've gone 45 minutes. So that's a good enough place to end it. I think uh, we're on the same page with a lot of this stuff. So we'll leave it there. I want to ask everybody, if you are a new listener, hey, thank you. Thank you for joining the show. We hope you enjoyed the show enough. If you've gotten through it to this point, then I feel like you've enjoyed the show because you're not going to listen to 45 minutes of anything if you don't like it. So thank you for listening. Now's your time to subscribe. Search for Lockdown Celtics wherever you get your podcast. If you are a subscriber and you haven't given us that five-star review or you haven't given us a nice written review, then uh, please do so. It helps us out a lot. And as always, share the podcast with your friends and family and random people. Tell them to listen to the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network.